Hello, welcome to this episode of the Football Girl Podcast. I'm your host, Melissa Jacobs. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the Football Girl Podcast. It's Super Bowl week. And I know we all knew the Bengals and Rams were going to be in this all along. I still can't believe it. I'm still I'm still not over the NFC championship, but moving on, moving on. Trey, Trey Lance era will begin. The Niners are well positioned financially. I'm I'm good. But it's time to turn our attention to the Super Bowl. Before I give my quick thoughts and a prediction, uh, just a reminder, an ask to please head to iTunes and leave us a great rating and an even greater review. That would really help us out. Thank you for that. So Super Bowl Sunday is upon us and I'm so excited in just a second here, or just a minute, because I do need a minute or two to to share my thoughts on the Super Bowl. But then I'm going to be chatting with Rams legend Jim Everett. Jim Everett was the Rams quarterback for 11 years. He holds the record for the most passing yards by a Rams quarterback. Guess if if McVay didn't pull that trade, maybe Jared Goff would be on his tail. But I think McVay just made that trade to preserve the record for Jim Everett. But he was on Radio Row this week. I'm actually, I talked to him while I was still in the Bay Area, though I'm headed to L.A. So if you're listening to this, be sure to follow me on Twitter at the football girl. Um, our Instagram is TFG underscore NFL. I'll post anything that I think you might find interesting. But Jim did the, did the uh, radio row rounds and then I, I chatted with him and he's so um, he just has so much insight into like what makes Matt Stafford tick the the difficulty of building a fan base for the Rams and what this weekend might do to alter that. Also, he's he's lived in L.A. all along, so he's kind of like a Rams ambassador. I don't know if that's actually an official title that he has or not, but he's around a lot. He does a lot of Rams alumni events. He's very topped into the team. Um, so we're just going to get get inside that team. Um, I know our last episode was focused on the Bengals, and now we're focused on the Rams. And we yes, for those wondering, yes, I, because I am a serious, hardcore journalist, I am going to bring up the Jim Rome thing and I will leave it at that. And you can hear what he says. So, but first I just got to say, I, I, I don't, I haven't, I know I hold no ill will against the Rams. I mean, just from like a fan perspective though, I'm totally rooting for the Bengals. I mean, Joe Burrow, man, he is he's okay. What's that word? What's that word? Oh, cool. Right. No one's ever used it before. Joe is 
he's cool, but he's like cool. I don't know if he's more cool in the heat of the moment in NFL games or he's just like a cool dude. <laughs> like he's got his chain. He's got the jackets, like the, the heavy fur coat. I mean, he's just like. I don't know. He's just, he's cool. He's, he's confident. Um, they're, they're just like this Cinderella team, kind of like the Giants were maybe in 2007. And I love it because, you know, unlike the Rams, the Rams have a lot of, they had all, they have a lot of pieces everywhere, right? You got Jalen Ramsey and Aaron Donald and Cooper Cup and, you know, major, major pieces. Even the line, Andrew Whitworth, et cetera. But they need an upgraded quarterback. So Stafford, lucky for him, gets to come to the situation where everything is everything is built to win now. You got you add Von Miller, you add Odell. It's built to win now. Stafford just has to execute. I mean, that's easier said than done. It's not that easy to get to the Super Bowl and win the Super Bowl. But that's like a Super Bowl ready team. Now, the the inverse is is the Bengals who I don't know, name name five players on the Bengals defense. Well, maybe we can now because they've been in so many um in the limelight this postseason. By the way, shout out to Eli Apple. He's had a really interesting road and it's nice to see, you know, he's nice to see him involved in some big plays and um, I used to, I'm friends with his mom, Annie, and she used to write a column for me when I was at Sports Illustrated. Um, it would be a little fiery, a little controversial, but I appreciated her um, willingness to be out there. I know not everybody agrees with that, but I do and did at the time. Um, but it's cool to see, see Eli sort of one step away from the promised land. But point being, Bengals, no-name defense for the most part. You got Bates. You got, I mean, now, again, we're getting to know them. You know, on the, the other side, you have this team that has crazy offensive line problems. People were a little bit surprised that they didn't take uh, Panay Sewell, the offensive lineman, in the draft. Kind of disappointed. I think there were a lot of poor draft grades for the Bengals because they took this Jamar Chase guy. I mean, do they really need another wideout? And then he's dropping passes in train in preseason games, like as if that really means anything. Um, and then he turns out to be one of the top five, like most dynamic playmakers in the NFL, which is an incredible connection with his LSU teammate. And it's like, and then obviously Joe Burrow's, you know, recovery from that ACL, which is such a great story in and of itself. And I feel like isn't getting enough attention of just, you know, how he, he had a quote this week about for uh, some advice for youth athletes about, you know, just put the work in, like, don't, don't go on Instagram. Like don't, don't bring your GoPro to all your training sessions and then go put every clip of you, like, you know, parse through it and find the clips where you look good and put them on Instagram or TikTok or whatever. And then just go eat like five hamburgers. It's like, just do your work, do it well. Don't look for attention everything will work out. And I feel like he did that from a recovery standpoint. Um, and, 
it's amazing. And his maturation, his, his ability to, you know, process and just not be intimidated is just phenomenal. So like he comes in and his just basically the, the, the Bengals adding chase and burrow getting better, basically elevated the whole team. Cause the offensive line is, I don't know, still kind of garbage a little bit. And you know, I guess which leads me to the game itself, and that's the matchup, right? You have Aaron Donald, you have that front, and it's like, how is this offensive line of the Bengals going to deal with that? How is Joe Mixon going to deal with that? Like, Is he just going to, like, bowl over Aaron Donald? I mean, I mean, they – I feel like if the Niners couldn't rush on the Rams – uh, I don't know how the Bengals are going to do that, but that's that's the matchup where I'm like, oh, that's really a mismatch. And if things go the way that they might, like that could be just a huge, huge blowout for the Rams. But then why would you count out the Bengals? And there's lots of creative things they can do. They basically have two number one receivers and Chase and T Higgins who was just phenomenal in the AFC championship. And you've got to think that, that, that Chase be covered by Jalen Ramsey. So maybe T Higgins does it again. Plus you got Tyler Boyd, CJ Uzama there, you know, they just gotta, it's be, it's going to be all about the play calling. Like that's really what it's going to be. And it feels like a turnover ish thing. And there's all these, these, you know, analytics and things that support, you know, the turnover battle and and time of possession and all this stuff as it relates to Super Bowls. But then I just think that Joe Burrow sacked nine times against the Titans and they still won that game. So, you know, I don't know. I feel like the, the Bengals are just a team that is like completely against conventional wisdom and I love it so as far as a prediction I I do want the Bengals to win because I think they're just more of a feel-good story although Matthew Stafford certainly is as well but I I think I just don't see how they're going to contain Aaron Donald so I you know he's the best player in football and I think he's going to shine and be the MVP so I'm going to pick the Rams uh what's the score going to be um Oh, yeah, Cooper Cup's on the field. So let's get into the 30s. 35 to 22. How does that sound? 35-22 Rams. And with that prediction, let's go to one of the most famous ex-Rams out there who has a lot to say about the current Rams. And let me get you right to my conversation with Jim Everett. Jim, it's so good to talk to you again. I know you're doing Radio Row today. What what's the scene like out there? Well, it's it's everybody from everywhere. <laughs> um, you know, I see. A, you know, I actually ever talked to the 49er radio station up there, and they were actually pretty reasonable, Melissa. But the fact that there's not just a bunch of 49er helmets around here is really kind of nice. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Well, that that actually, you know, that leads me to 
the the growing a fan base in Los Angeles, you know, yeah, obviously yeah. SoFi is, was littered with Niner fans and has been littered with a lot of opposing fans. And there's obviously a lot to do in LA aside from obsessing over a football team and you're competing with the Chargers. So I guess what, like leading up till now, because I know you've been, you're there and you've, you've witnessed it all. Like what's it been like trying to build up the fan base for the Rams? Melissa, you bring up a great point. I mean, LA didn't have a football team for 22 years. I mean, two decades. That's, that's a generation of kids that didn't get an opportunity to cheer for, you know, the horns. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, there's a big void. There's no doubt about it. Now, the Chargers are, you know, you said competing with Chargers. I mean, the Chargers are coming up here with a big void, too. I mean, you know, they're Southern Cal, but they're not L.A., you know. Yeah. But anyway, so I think that, you know, people said, oh, L.A. wouldn't support sports or football (laughs) or this or that I think is all misguided this place is crazy it's crazy fun I think that still the fan base is being rounded out and unlike say like the 49ers who've been there forever you know they've got their loyals I mean and and I think our loyals are coming out and especially the ones that have been here since my time I mean they're they're avid oh it's crazy fun it's crazy fun but, you know, unlike the 49ers who have it, who only moved from San Francisco to Santa Clara, I mean, the Rams, as you know, obviously, St. Louis and back, like, is it hard to, to feel that loyalty if you feel like there's a chance they could leave in 15 years for something better? Well, I mean, I think the commitment that Kroenke made with with the SoFi Stadium, putting $5 billion in and this and that, I think that pretty much secures the fact that no one's going anywhere because, this, let's, let's put it frankly, and San Francisco knows this as, as well as anybody. The league is a stadium-driven uh, league. Right. And for years, for those 22 years, it was like, you know, we had to put on a bunch of different hats. Was Jacksonville going to move here? Was uh, whatever team that needed a new stadium would threaten Los Angeles that are moving there. So we, we all had to <laughs> – <laughs> that's just the way the game's played. And if people understand the economics, you know, that the owners split 60-40, but everything behind glass goes to the, the home home team so the the stadiums that have the bigger glass have the biggest reward and so i think jerry mm-hmm. jones set that mark the stadium is built somewhat similar to you know jerry jones's stadium in dallas but but built up uh, built upon that i call it the eighth one of the world and i don't call it a stadium <laughs> i call it a football theater it's unbelievable and unbelievably loud yeah i think there was an episode of entourage about that like the threat of an nfl team moving to la but um what what about like playing in the super bowl for the rams at home i mean how much do you think that that inherently is catapulting interest oh i think it's huge i mean how many teams i mean tampa bay did it for the first time i think last year as far as being the home team but i know the players for example they're staying in their own homes. It's not that big a deal. I mean, there's a lot of hoopla when it comes to Super Bowl, but usually, you know, families are traveling, players mm-hmm. are traveling, all these different issues that the Rams don't have to deal with. And I don't, I think that, you know, if you're talking about Cincy people, you know, they're staying in some hotel for two weeks, their families over here, they're over, you know, all the logistic issues that the Rams yeah. don't have. They're practicing at their own facility. I mean, how nice is that? They're taking <laughs> Super Bowl pictures at their own facility. I mean, yeah, it's just a lot sweet. less drama. Yeah. yeah, for sure. So, you know, like the current Rams team is obviously very stacked and has added a ton of pieces this year, starting with Matthew Stafford. So, Jim, how did you react when you heard about the trade? With the Matthew Stafford trade, it was something that, you know, I think was specifically built what McVay wanted. You know, the fact that they had invested a lot in Jared Goff 
but then were willing to part with that and part with number one picks for a guy that they thought was in a, in a you know, the position to lead this team. It was amazing. I look at Matthew Stafford. It's kind of like, I don't know. I mean, it's kind of like a hero. There's a lot of guys <laughs> there. There's a lot of guys in the NFL that are good, but never get an opportunity to play on a team that's maybe set up. And Matthew yeah. gets that opportunity. And it's like, he was not going to get that in Detroit. No. Nope. And they weren't going to build that. And they weren't going to take the risk that Les Snead had. So I look at it as, you know, you know, you take a guy like Matt Ryan in Atlanta, they just weren't going to build that around him. And he's going to have a fine career, but maybe not one that's um, going to include a Super Bowl. And yeah. I, I actually lived that life too. Yeah. Yeah. You were, uh, you, you got to the, the championship game, right? Right. Against your 49ers. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, should we I do a, harbor, uh... <laughs> I still harbor these feelings. I, I haven't do, gone yeah. through uh, anger yeah. management yet. So yeah. we, can, we can be honest about that. Yeah. For those listening to, before we started recording this, Jim immediately jumped in and started chiding me about this year's NFC championship, which was just cruel, but in any event, <laughs> just so cruel. Um, so, so back to Stafford, um, who, yeah. you know, great, great story. Even as a Niners fan, I can admit that, um, you know, aside from having like a crazy rocket of an arm and I know he has the likability and the leadership and experience and all these things, like what are some things? things if you can like that Stafford does differently than other quarterbacks you've been around okay so the things I see specifically with Matthew Stafford is he's not afraid to be alpha a number one he's not afraid to take to take a risk he's not afraid to understand exactly what McVay's asking for him I don't know if you've seen this but on other quarterbacks that change teams they'll have wristbands Mm -hmm. yes Matthew was all in he learned that system inside and out. Like it's like learning French or Spanish all in one year. <laughs> and he did that. He did that so well. The second part is he brought his skill set, And the thing that McVay saw is be able to manipulate the defense. You got to be able to man- manipulate the secondary. And Matthew does it. He does no look. Pa- I think Mahomes gets all the credit for all this crazy stuff he does, but Matthew is looking safeties, moving, moving guys, looking there, throwing left, going back. He does it as good as anybody that plays this game. Yeah, that's, that's so, great. Yeah, those, those are the talent points. So his initi- initiative, his leadership, and he's not, you know, he's, he's a gritty guy. And yeah. I, I'm just glad he's getting the opportunity. I really am because uh, he would probably could have played more years at Detroit and just been a guy with some numbers. Right. Totally. Totally. So the, if there's any storyline, like, you know, in this, in this game that I guess resonates crossing over the teams, you know, I guess it's kind of the Andrew Whitworth revenge game. And by the way, Jim, I totally remember being with you at, um, when I did the story on you at training camp. And I always remember you called Whitworth a mountain of a man. And every time I oh, see yeah. him, I think of that. <laughs> he is a large, large human, but can you just talk about Whitworth's importance to the team? and just what it would mean for him to go out winning a Super Bowl against the Bengals. Well, the people in Cincinnati still love him. He's that mm-hmm. type of person off the field. I mean, he's when I call him a mountain of a man, I don't just mean that as in size because he is a huge guy. I just mean as far as his integrity, his leadership. Uh, I remember when we had fires out here back in 2018, he was the first one to step up with thousands of dollars to help families that were in need. He's just that type of guy. He's one of the guys that he's one of those guys that you look at that 
I mean, if all the coaches left, he would be coaching the offensive line. He's that smart. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah. it's like, yeah. yeah, he's a good leader. He's knowledgeable. But um, I think that he is, you know, he's such a good leader. And, yeah, does he have, like, I don't think he has ill will with Cincinnati. They just weren't going to match yeah. the contract. They thought his, right. his career was going south. But the fact is, is that I guarantee if, if they could have him against the Rams right now, they would love to have him back. Right, right. It's nice. The Super Bowl really doesn't have any bitterness. I mean, it has two quarterbacks that are super likable and uh-huh. franchises on the up and up. So, uh, but when, I guess when you look at the Bengals, Jim, like when you look at the, the matchup specifically, like what scares you the most about Cincinnati? Well, I mean, what they're going to do is, I mean, they're, they're just gritty players. I don't think anyone in the NFL maybe saw this matchup coming. I mean, I think no. even myself, I thought it was for sure going to be Buffalo or something. Yeah. But, but, you know, they're just gritty and they're, and they're, they're, they're Joe Burrow cool. I mean, they're, I mean, so mm. if, if we being the Rams, you know, let them stick around till the fourth quarter, you know, it's, it's anybody's game. And so I think that the Rams just need to relax, play the game. Now, I think the most interesting matchup here is has to do with McVay and Zach and Zach on, on the coaching side. I mean, mm-hmm. McVay's talked about, everyone talks about his coaching tree and his system. He's very smart, but on that tree needs to rest a trophy. I think it's yeah. very important for Sean McVay. Yeah, for sure. How, how, I mean, I don't want to rehash this game, but obviously having lost six times in a row and then finally getting the monkey off the back of beating Kyle Shanahan. How big of a deal was that to McVay? Do you think? I don't know. I think it was huge. I mean, we the, there's matchups that I think is very difficult for the Rams with with the 49ers, and I think that's obvious over the last six. I think in the in the whole thing of things, and I, I don't mean pick on the 49ers. I think Shanny's game plan, plan of getting away from attacking Reader was one of the things that cost him at 17-7, mm-hmm. um, because I I think there's going to be some change up for the Super Bowl, but I'll let that speak for itself with uh, you know with our linebacking crew and, and making Weddle the, the the play caller, so. Anyways, I, I just see there's going to be some change-ups. I think that Shanny's Shanny's ability to attack with Jimmy G to attack the middle, our linebacker safeties, which was a weakness, I think, played against us. And the fact that Shanny didn't stay with it was was kind of amazing to me. But you know, coaches do what coaches do. Right, right. So on to you, Jim. I mean, how how's life? Like, what are you up to these days? Oh, well, I'm just enjoying every bit of LA being back in LA, to be honest with you, you know, I, I retired from the um, uh, financial industry. And yeah. so now I'm getting, I'm getting to have a chance to, you know, just take in what, what, what all this, all the stuff's going on with NFL. I've had uh, a couple of new body parts put in. So now I'm, I'm mobile again. <laughs> so, you know, it's just life's good like that. Yeah. Do you attribute the new body parts put into your playing days? Is it, I mean, not that I know you're only like 32 years old, but like, is it also? <laughs> I might be a little aging, older than that. <laughs> aging you know, process. I, th- I just love the rule changes that they made and the protecting the quarterbacks. Cause yeah. during, the, during the days we played, we were, we were targets and if they could yeah. take us out then they would, and it was legal. So it's just nice to see that they're protecting, you know, these guys are making 30, $40 million a year and you don't want to see them on the sideline with, you know, ACL, but, you know, going back over to Cincy, you know, I play fantasy football and when I have a, a quarterback that's out for a year with an ACLS that my next year, I would never pick him up. But Joe Burrow came back from that knee injury as good as anyone I've ever seen. And his playing with so much confidence. Um, I think that's a scary thing. You talked about matchup earlier, Melissa. 
the matchup that scares me in this game is is Higgins. I think mm, yeah. you got you got um, um, Jalen and Jamar are going to match up. Probably I would anticipate that. It's the Higgins with D. Will matchup that um, is going to be interesting. And then you know what, what are they going to do with that good tight end they got? And so you know right. those those matchups are going to be. Uh, but then again, I don't like their offensive line against Aaron Donald and company. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's that's so. going to be, yeah, that's where, like, it could be a bloodbath. Like, you'll just look at that specifically and be like, oh, this game could be, like, for the 55 to 10 Super Bowl, you know? Well, um, if they if they, if they they try to hit slants and hit Higgins because he's, he's a big, tall, rangy guy, um, I think that, they, you know, falls out quick, this and that, and he could – you know, if we don't tackle them, um, things can happen. So that's the matchup I'm looking at. What happens with our middle linebacker? What happens with our safeties against the tight end? And what Higgins does? I think that's where the matchup lies. Yeah, for sure. So, so you still hold the Rams record for career passing yards. You know, what is what does that mean? Why are you laughing? That's awesome. Well, I, I called Jared Goff up and I said, "Hey, thanks for leaving, man, because <laughs> my record stands back." No, I'm just, I, I know Jared well. And anyways, it's just, um, I can't believe after all these years, I'm still the Rams all time leading passer, but, um, it amazes me because this league is so pass happy and I, I, I wouldn't, I could easily see a 6,000 yard a year passer. Oh, yeah. Yep. yeah. So, you know, you also led the league in touchdowns twice. You were a pro bowl or like when the pro bowl actually meant something, you know, yet so <laughs> many, you know, people hear your name and they think of, you know, the infamous Jim Rome incident brawl, whatever yeah. you want to call it. Does that bother you? No, 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 not at all. You know, I think there's things in life that you go through and, you know, specifically to, to that incident, um, you know, I mean, there's only so much a person can take and, you know, and there's yeah. limits and the fact that, you know, I'm a fan of Chrissy Everett is as much as anybody. And she's a right. champ. And the fact that, you know, some people don't look at the angle that that was, you know, a little knock on feminism as well as anything else, but yeah, I don't exactly. know. I, I just, um, you know, I was led to believe one thing and other things happen and it, it, it is what it is, but it's amazing that we're still talking about it all these years, you know, you, just, <laughs> you go like, Hey, I throw all these touchdowns, but I throw one reporter and, and look what we're talking about. Yeah. Well, I wanted to make sure to, to throw out your stats and all, and all that. So people <laughs> understand like the career you had. Have you, have you, did you see Jim on radio row? No, we've got this thing coming up. Where we're going to do a WWE thing. Just me and Jimmy. <laughs> Oh, cool. No. <laughs> All right. Are there, are there prop bets on that? I don't know. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. It's, uh, <laughs> He, there's been a bunch of offers to do some sort of something, but um, he doesn't. He, he keeps turning yeah. it down. So maybe yeah. one day when he he gets over it, we'll 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 figure out something that could be fun for everyone. Right. Right. Now yeah. you you were Jim. You were 34 when you retired. Is that right? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, Tom Brady just retired. 10 years later, age 44. <laughs> and I mean, I know that is like, yeah, it's still mind boggling. Just even say hey, it. He looked like he this. had a couple more look, years left in him too. Oh, he really, I mean, he led the league in yards this year. It's amazing. I, I mean, he I really know. did, but I think the Aaron Donald thing coming right up the gap was a little troubling for him, but <laughs> you no, know, you, you, I look at guys like Patrick Mahomes and different guys and, and maybe he's about the size of like a Rob Johnson back in our years. Yeah. Um, he wouldn't have survived. I mean, there's, you, there's, it, it was a little bit more Darwinism back when we played. I mean, you, if you were, if you couldn't hold yourself together, you were on IR real quick. Yeah. So you attribute his longevity, some of it to the rule changes and, and whatnot. Oh, there's absolutely Drew Brees, all these guys playing to their 40 some years old. There's no yeah. way they could, they could, uh, and, 
um, hold up. Now, I'm not saying it, it couldn't have happened, but in, they made the rule changes in 1997 to benefit the quarterback. And that was basically the time I retired. And it was it was a different game. And I, I'm, I'm not complaining about it because I love these new rules for the guys, but it's more like major league pitching than it is um, punching bags. Right, right. So what about right. the league itself? Like, you know, you every year it's be more corporate and the revenues grow and the players have more handlers and all that jazz. What is something from your era that you wish was part of today's NFL? Well, I mean, we look, let's, let's go bigger than that, Melissa. When, when we were in the league, it was run by millionaires and now it's run by billionaires. So it was a whole different mindset. And then the industry has grown. The media has grown. The mm -hmm. game has grown. The TV, all of it. And I, I love it. I think it's spectacular. I go to practices. And, mm -hmm. you know, even when I met you at practices, you know, there's five, 10,000 people watching practice. We would have lucky, right. been lucky to have 100. So, I mean, just the notoriety of it, the whole, the whole game, the flow. I, I love it. I think, it's, I think it's, it's amazing. I think it's America's number one sport, and it should be. Is there anything that you wish was, was different that you think, like, back in my day we did this and I wish players yeah, could do this? Yeah, I, I think – I think they should, they should they should have some sort of you know continuing paid retired guys. Are you kidding me? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. There, there you go. Good, good answer. Well, I guess I guess I'm contractually in closing here. I guess I I guess I'm contractually obligated to ask you for a score prediction. Oh well, I I think it's the Rams game. Mm -hmm. um, I don't you know the ball is oblong you know so it, it never bounces <laughs> the way that you think it's going to bounce but. I do see the Rams being in a, you know, a, a very good con contest. And, you know, I could easily see it something to be like, you know, 28 to uh, 28 to 17 type game for the Rams. All right. Please just no overtime coin toss situation. Please, please. Hey, the way this playoff's going, you never know, right? <laughs> I, know. I mean, the games have been so darn close this whole playoffs. It's probably some of the best football I've seen in years. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, yeah. It, it's true. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Jim. I super appreciate it. It's great to chat with you again. And... Hey, hey, Melissa, all I can say is I'm just glad we're not watching the 49ers this week. Oh. Okay, you have a good time. All right. All right. Thanks. Bye. <laughs> All right. Thanks again to Jim Everett. You can follow him on Twitter at Jim underscore Everett, where he has a lot to say about the Rams. All right. That's a wrap on this episode of the Football Girl Podcast. Thank you so much for listening to this episode and anyone who's listened to any of our episodes this season. I mean, it's been such a blast and I'm not sure what the off season is going to hold. If, if I'm being honest, whether we're going to go weekly, bi-weekly or, or what, but I will keep you all updated and I just hope everybody enjoys the Super Bowl. 